Welcome to the Title Town Times, where we bring you everything coming out of 1265 Lombardi. It is Victory Friday, everybody. Go Pack Go 1-0. Yes, a fantastic feeling, getting a win on the road against the Chicago Bears. It wasn't pretty, but I love a defensive battle. And, and uh, pretty is in the eye of the beholder. I could watch that as well all day long. It's been a while to see the Packers defense step up, and man, did they ever last night. No kidding, and it shows that free agency is a good thing. It surely can be. Money well spent for uh, Goody and the, and the boys. No kidding. So I noticed that you said that you had some thumbs up and thumbs down about this game. Absolutely. All right, why don't you go ahead and let us know. Okay, well, first of all, thumbs to uh, J.K. Scott. What a weapon we have. And granted, when you think of weapons on a football team, you're not often thinking about the punter. However, when a guy can flip the field and do it in crunch time the way J.K. did it, I am all for this guy. 63 yards at the very end of the game, in the air, 4.6 hang time. The Bears didn't have a shot. It was so smooth when you watch that replay of him punting that ball. And I think uh, Pat McAfee actually shared something on Instagram where he like detailed that punt and like the technique that J.K. Scott used. And it was actually pretty hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as people recall, we used our draft pick, a fifth rounder on J.K. Scott. And that's another rare thing. So we, we've invested in this in this guy. Last year, you know, he showed flashes, but the, lacked a little consistency. If he comes up in his consistent force this year, truly mark that up as a weapon because there is no doubt in my mind the punter can be just that. No kidding. Field position saved us in this game completely. Absolutely. And when you have a defense that played the way uh, ours did, field position is everything. Yeah, exactly. If that was Tim Mastay, we probably wouldn't have won this game. No doubt. There's no question in my mind. All right. And who do you give a thumbs down to in this game? Well, I get I, I give a thumbs down to uh, our offensive execution in the standpoint of I, I just didn't feel like our our uh, lineup was we didn't get to the line of scrimmage on time. I mean, oftentimes Aaron Rodgers would get get everybody lined up, and there was about five seconds on the clock. As as smart as Aaron Rodgers is, as good as he is at dissecting a defense and the looks, uh, using his cadence to have defenses show that blitz so he knows where it's coming from. We we didn't give ourselves enough time to do that. And I actually attribute it to, you know, they didn't they didn't play this preseason. There, there is a, a rust factor that's a real thing. I feel like the yeah. offense will come around um, eventually as they get more reps, but my thumbs down goes to the offensive execution. Um, my thumbs down, if I could add one, goes to the interior offensive line, specifically Lane Taylor, who is fighting for his starting job against Elton Jenkins. Yeah, absolutely. Lane Taylor is, uh, you're right, he's fighting for his for his uh, starter life, if you will. And if last night's an indication, that's not a battle he's going to win. Not playing that way. Not at all. I remember seeing a highlight from the game last night where he just got shoved down to the ground by a Bears defender, and it was just embarrassing for him. Well, well it was embarrassing in the fact that it was with one arm. I mean, it, the guy the guy that put him on his back literally had one arm like on his chest, or maybe a little high up on his chest, neck area, and just put him completely on his back. Now, let's keep in mind, these guys are skilled on the Bears defensive line, but they're not Reggie White. They shouldn't be throwing that kind of hump move and, and throwing a 300-plus pounder on their back like that. There's nobody that should be able to do that. Right. Although I do have to give credit to David Bakhtiari, who really held Khalil Mack in check. Absolutely. Bakhtiari battled. Um, 
I think the announcer said it best. Uh, I think Collinsworth said it last night is that the one move that Bakhtiari is a little bit um, susceptible to is the bull rush. And, and typically, if you if you really pay attention, it's on the road because with the crowd noise, uh, he actually has to look towards the ball, and he's not, and he's just maybe that half a second late to get his set and his base. Um, you get a guy that gets underneath Bakhtiari, they can get him into, into the backfield and cause some trouble. But you know what? Um, I would take Bakhtiari over any left tackle in this league. Oh, I agree completely. Um, but yes, we've covered that the offense is still a work in progress, but we did see glimpses of what it could be, especially in that second quarter. Oh my gosh, that one that one drive that ended up in the touchdown was uh, unbelievable. I mean, that took me back. That took me back years to when we were just a high flying uh, uh, unit, and they made that look easy against arguably one of the best defenses in the NFL. And that fake reverse was just a work of genius, right there. The Bears did not see that coming. No, they did not see it coming. And honestly, you could tell as much as there was rust. Uh, there is a scheme component that we're going to really be able to sit back and enjoy because our vanilla offense is over. Just having to win one-on-ones all the time, that's a thing of the past. Correct. And also, we got to get that run game going. I know that this Bears front seven is stout. It is completely... Like, there's studs all across that defensive line. But I feel like as we go on through the season and we face less talented defensive lines, we'll be able to get that run game going, and the play action will be a lot more effective. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Um, even LaFleur said at the end of the game yesterday that he didn't come into the run like he really wanted to. You know, when you only have uh, 22 total rushes uh, completely in the game with everyone involved, and it was only for 47 yards, that's not going to get it done. Um, especially by, uh, by Aaron to Jamal Williams. Oh, absolutely. That backhanded little toss on the sideline was stellar, and Jamal Williams finished that run. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he brings a little bit of spunk to the game with Jamal Williams. You know, he's got that high energy and whatnot. Um, I, actually, I actually would give him uh, uh, somewhat of, of a thumbs up, but I honestly can't wait to see the guy that we didn't see yet. That's Dexter Williams. Correct. I think he was on the injury report this time around, um, unfortunately. Um, although I do have to say, when we were in the red zone, we just kept trying to run the ball with Jamal Williams. And I just thought, why aren't we, th- why aren't, well, I get why we weren't throwing it because we didn't, we wanted to run the clock, but let's just get a touchdown and win this game, you know? Absolutely. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a playoff game where we were at Seattle. And we were settling for field goals time and time again because we just run into the stout line. You got the best quarterback, arguably in in all of the all of the world. Put the ball in his hands and let him win a damn game. No kidding. Um, also, again, the defense brought the heat. Lots of pressure to rattle Trubisky. We didn't see Trubisky get out of the pocket that often, which was a key that we both uh, expressed in our preview episode. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I did notice is that whenever the Packers uh, put uh, both Smiths on one side, they got in the backfield with pressure. That's a wrinkle we haven't seen yet, and I think that took the Bears by surprise as well. For sure. In addition, in addition, our number one draft pick was also on the sidelines the entire game. So as he comes along too, you're already adding to a, a ferocious uh, 
pass rush that we've seen so far. I mean, they got 16 quarterback pressures. That's a fourth of the total number of pressures they had of all of last year. Right. And uh, Zadarius Smith, according to Pro Football Focus, you can take Pro Football Focus with a grain of salt if you want, but according to PFF, Zadarius by himself had 10 pressures. All last yeah, he- all last yeah. season, in both of our meetings with the Bears, the Packers only had nine pressures in that whole series last year. And Zedarius, by himself, eclipsed that. Yeah, that that that's just crazy. And you know what? I, I, the thing I like the most about the Smiths are that the fact that they're both kind of entering maybe their, their prime. They're trending in the right direction. They may not have... Uh, it came with the big, the big name and the big splash and what have you. But you can definitely tell that the Packers saw some glimmers of um, maybe some superstardom in these in these fellas, and they didn't let us down at least in Week One. Exactly. Um, a lot of people are saying that we shouldn't take this performance too much to heart because of the lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball in Chicago. I kind of disagree because. There were points last season where the system of Matt Nagy looked genius. I mean, Trubisky had a six-touchdown game last year, albeit it was against the terrible Tampa Bay defense. But still, that is still a professional football team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and, and I'm one of those people that I I do want to tap the brake a little bit because you do want to see it over a a span. You want to see the real body of work being over, over time. But man, we can't have more than week one. Here we sit. Uh, you know, we can't fast forward time. We have to let it play out. But um, I'm not going to temper my excitement from what I've seen. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of people are trying to pump the brakes on the Packers here because they're not used to the Packers having a good defense. Um, and you could just tell Aaron Rodgers saw that this defense was different, All even during training camp, even before raving about this defense he said it had a different feel to it and everything there was a different energy about it yeah absolutely you know and when you look at our defense we we knew that our secondary would be somewhat sticky now if we can get a pass rush to get quarterbacks with a little bit of happy feet maybe wanting to get rid of that football you know half a second earlier different things that just helps that back in all the more so we may have a, a the perfect combination here because typically you'll see many teams that will have maybe one or the other um, sometimes if you have a stellar pass rush, um, you still suffer maybe on the back end. Or if you have a really um, tough back end, sometimes you just don't get home with the quarterback. We saw both yesterday, and if they can continue, the wins are going to pile up in Green Bay. I agree completely. Although I do have to give some credit to the uh, Packers offense from last week, specifically Jimmy Graham. I believe uh, Graham did more in last game, this last game, than he did most of all season last year. And you have to wonder if it really was him being injured last year that really hampered him. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I guess we, we may never know. However, I do agree with your assessment. You know, first of all, he goes up, he boxes out the defender in the end zone. It was one of those plays where Aaron Rodgers just said, you know what, my guy's better than your guy. He threw it up in the air, almost like a jump ball. It's a basketball play. So For sure. Yeah, Jimmy Graham boxed the guy out, did perfectly, caught the ball with his hands at its high point, took the ball down for the score. The other play that he made that, that a lot of people probably don't remember or think about too much, but he got down the seam and he actually caused a pass interference in which obviously in the NFL is a spot foul. And that was at least a 30-some yard pass down the seam. Where was that last year? We never saw that. Exactly. And also that hurdle that he had. 
Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I had to, I had to take a step back for a second. I was like, did, did old man Jimmy Graham just do that? Yeah, he looked, you know what? He, he looked like he had a little fountain of youth last night. So I, I hope that continues. And I know he's hungry because, you know, he's a proud athlete. And last year he didn't perform. And he knows that obviously um, the team didn't either. And he's shouldering some of that blame, I think. And he's feeling a little heat. This seems like a hungry team. It seems like a hungry player. I think we need to feed Jimmy Graham in the red zone. I think we need to use him in between the 20s as well. I think so, too, completely. Also, I thought it was really funny when uh, Devontae Adams was being triple covered in that one play um, that he ended up like counting how many defenders there were near him. Yeah, and you know... One good thing, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but Devontae Adams statistically didn't have the best game. I mean, I think we could all agree that, and in the offense in general didn't, right? But uh, Devontae Adams had four catches for 36 yards. Uh, his longest was 11 yards. We know that's not the Devontae Adams that we're used to seeing. However, if any, if at any one time a defense feels the need to put three guys on one, we're winning. We're winning that that battle. No kidding. And it opens up opportunities for players like MVS. And although I didn't see Jake Kumaro out there, I will expect to see more of him as the season rolls on. Oh, without question. And uh, MVS is actually uh, is looking more and more like the number two uh, receiver for the Packers, as they were uh, predicting. Uh, one other guy that I, I it was on the field but didn't make any plays of, of to know was uh, Geronimo Allison. Didn't yeah, that was called very much. That was weird. I don't even know that he got a target. I don't think so either. Um, it's hard to get targets, though, when you're getting flushed out by that Bears front seven. Uh, there were five sacks there, and man, that was rough. We got to get that taken care of. Billy Turner was supposed to be big money there, but even he struggled a little bit, I noticed. Yeah, we, we've had some struggles there, and the sacks for the Bears, unfortunately, uh, were timely ones. They, they mostly came on third down, and, and whenever you can get sacks on third down, you pin your ears back in a, in a known passing situation. Obviously, it's the only chance you got to, to make the, the first down before you punt the football, so those are timely sacks, and uh, but we overcame it. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but one thing I guess we could take, two things that I guess we could take away from the Bears is, well, at least Trubisky can chug a beer. And uh, and I guess they found their kicker of the future in Pinheiro. We'll see. Um. <laughs> yeah, and I, I found it very interesting on uh, fourth and ten in the NFL. Um, mo- most kickers they'll at least attempt a fifty-one yard field goal, but not this guy. And, and so they apparently haven't won. He hasn't won the conference completely because that would have been a big three points that they left on the field. They went for it on fourth down. If I recall, I think Trubisky uh, maybe got about a three-yard gain or something before he got stopped short. That's a huge right. play. That's a huge decision, too. There were tons of bad play calls by Matt Nagy, but you know what? That's not our problem. That's Chicago's problem. We yeah, have to absolutely. we have to take advantage of those. Uh, we have to take advantage of those situations. Absolutely, and any time, again, you get a, a road win, week one in, in the division is humongous. I mean, this could have been Detroit, and it's huge, but Chicago all the more because they're, they're predicted to do quite well in our division. Uh, now they're looking up at us. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so for my game balls, I have to give a game ball to Mike Pettin. He came up with the perfect game plan for this game, and he basically just stole uh, Matt Nagy's lunch money. 
Yeah, Mike Patton looked like the veteran coach and um, like he had been around uh, the block before. And, uh, you know, he kind of laid in the weeds, I, I felt, coming uh, into this game and even through the preseason. But obviously they had a plan that they were confident in because uh, at the end you could just you could just tell that they, they knew something the Bears didn't and they went and executed it. Yeah, and you could tell that these players are buying into what Mike Pettin has to say because you saw them like celebrating with him at the very end of the game. All the defensive players were crowding around Mike Pettin and patting him on the back and playfully nudging him. And you even saw Rodgers even kind of playfully shoving him too. So. Yeah, I was going to make that comment. It wasn't just defenders. Even uh, Aaron Rodgers did that. And, and the one thing that I that I really like to see is the, the connection that he's starting to have with his players. Because as we know, last year he spent uh, the time in the booth. And although that you, you may see more things from upstairs, you do lack some of that direct communication. And you lack the, connect, the connectivity with your players. And he's got the assistance that he needs up in the booth that are seeing the things and getting it down to him. But I think it's a big thing that he's down with those players. I think they're buying in. They, they know him a little bit better, and he's more personable. Correct. Um, I also got to give a game ball to Adrian Amos. What a huge play he made to practically ice that game for the Packers. Um, it, he came from the middle of the field to Trubisky's left and just picked it off from the back of the end zone and managed to get both feet down. Absolutely, and on that particular play, um, you know, the Bears were creeping up on the red zone, and I I saw that it was a single high safety before the snap, and I couldn't believe it because that's not really the defense you, that you want to play in that spot. However, when you dominated a quarterback to the extent that the Packers had up to that point, they had all the confidence in the world to have one single high safety on a play in the red zone. That told me a lot because they were locking down on receivers. They were getting to the quarterback, and they felt confident. Adrian Amos came, like you said, from the middle of the field and caught that ball in the corner. Now, remember, this is a safety in which people have uh, kind of given the, the negative towards his range and his ability to be in pass coverage and things. If that wasn't a, a, a shot to those doubters, I don't know what is. No kidding. All of those Bears fans were saying, oh, Amos is all right, but he doesn't get those interceptions. Um, how many interceptions did Ha Ha Clinton Dix have tonight? Um, none. I know he swatted the ball out, but even that didn't count because of the holding penalty on Green Bay. And and Rodgers ended up recovering that fumble anyways. But still, like, Amos is an upgrade over Clinton Dix, and I'm going to stick with that until proven otherwise. Absolutely. And it, and it wasn't close. I mean, last night... Um, Adrian Amos, he got the pick that everyone will remember. Another one that I remember is when he shot in the backfield and he hit Montgomery in the backfield. Totally oh, that was so good. Kenny too. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, um, I haven't seen Clinton Dix do that, let me think, ever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Kenny Clark had a quietly good night, except for that holding penalty. I'm just like, who calls a holding penalty on a D lineman, first of all? Um, that baffled me. A lot of things these refs did baffled me, like uh, Rodgers getting RKO'd by Akeem Hicks and no a no call there. But then Tremont Williams tackles someone out of bounds and he gets called. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, I, and I'm I'm not a Rodgers apologist in any way. I mean, I, I don't I like to think that I'm not looking through the rose colored glasses. But what is it with guys being able to go up high on Rodgers and it not getting called? I mean, this happens like quite often to me. And I know that if I say it, then I'm just I'm being that whiny Packers fan. But once again, last night, it's like, how can that guy get away with getting him at the back of the helmet and ripping him straight to the ground? Anybody can see it on the floor. 
the ref was right there. It's like, how does that possibly happen? But yet you're going to call a, a defensive holding on Kenny Clark in which how many times do you see defensive holding even called? On a defensive lineman. Exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah, absolutely. On a defensive lineman. It, it was just ridiculous. You could, I don't want to say that the refs were trying to give the Bears the game, but it was just a badly called game. And it seemed like most of these bad calls benefited the Bears until the very end. Yeah, I agree. It, it seemed to me like um, it wasn't just the Packers and the Bears offense that had a little rust. I think officials need to get in the swing of it as well. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Although that challenge by LaFleur, that first challenge, even I knew that was a wasted challenge right there. They were not going to call that pass interference. You know, uh, Matt LaFleur would actually, he would have actually gotten a thumbs down for me, to be totally honest, although it's his first NFL victory as a coach, so it's really hard for me to give him a thumbs down, but... I really, I really believe that the the communication between he and Rogers to get that play called in the huddle and get to the line of scrimmage needs to improve. I think some of, some of the play calls were questionable. Um, when you got the best quarterback in the game, all of a sudden that's when we're going to decide to run Jamal Williams, and then that challenge call. So I mean, Matt Lafleur's a young coach; he's growing. I do like what I see overall, um, but but some of those things just left me scratching my head a few a few times. Although that second challenge ended up turning out to be quite good for us however i don't even think he needed to have to challenge that at all it was clearly out of bounds with taylor gabriel there yeah that play should have been seen by the naked eye i mean granted we we i don't even think we understand the speed of the game but when you watch it on tv and you know that it's out of bounds you can clearly see that he had one foot and the, and the rest of his body was flying out of bounds why mm-hmm. how they could have called that a, a complete catch is beyond me and then forcing the packers to take their last challenge i mean we're just fortunate that uh, something didn't happen later on, which we wouldn't have been able to do it. Correct. Um, again, I got to say, Matt LaFleur, he, fun fact, he is the first coach since Vince Lombardi to beat the Bears in his debut game against them. So congratulations to LaFleur for that honor. Yeah, that's a really cool stat. I'd li- love to hear that. And uh, another one that I'd love to see is him be the first Packers rookie coach to go to the playoffs. I would love that, but we got a whole lot of ball game left as Aaron Nichols. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, that was his first win as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And you could tell in that locker room in that post game when Aaron Rodgers gave him that game ball that this whole media hype about him not getting along with LaFleur is just BS, for lack of a better term, and it's just unfounded. He had his arm around LaFleur. He was rallying his teammates around him and saying, I should give this to the defense, but we're going to give it to LaFleur here because it's not every day you win your first, not every day you get your first win as an NFL head coach. Absolutely. Yeah, that did two things for me when I heard that uh, little bit there. Number one, it showed that uh, Rodgers and LaFleur, that's because they talk about, that's a bunk, like you said, BS. It's bunk. It needs to go away. Nobody should bring it up again because it's simply not true. Secondly, uh, some people have questioned uh, Aaron Rodgers' leadership. Number one, he, he comes forward at the end of the game, gives all credit to the defense, in which they deserve every single bit of it. Um, you could tell how happy he is to have that defense. And then in the locker room, like you said, it should be the defense giving you this ball. He He's a humble guy. Uh, sometimes is he, is he does he have more thin skin? At times, maybe I would agree with that, but I would never question his leadership. I would never question his leadership either. And people think 
they need to question his leadership because he's not the fiery guy that Tom Brady is or he's not uh, as loud as Peyton Manning was or anything like that. There's different ways that you can lead. And I feel like one of the ways Rodgers leads is just leading by example. Right. And you know what? Honestly, Rodgers has a a little bit different uh, sense of humor at times. Sometimes he's a little sarcasm with the media. He's an extremely smart individual and he can sometimes rub people wrong because, you know, he's having this uh, kind of a different kind of fun through sarcasm and things. But you know what? At the end of the day, what does he do on the football field? Things that no one else can. So people need to sit back and enjoy this ride because it doesn't last forever. Correct. Um... But yeah, is there anything else that you want to add here? Because we, this was just a fantastic game to watch. I got hardly any sleep because I was just on cloud nine because football's back and it starts with a Green Bay Packers win over the Chicago Bears. Yeah, no, I, you know, I don't have much, much more to add other than, you know, let's ride this momentum. Uh, we've got a, another huge uh, game next week, as they all are in the NFL. Uh, another division rival, the Minnesota Vikings, are coming to Lambeau Field. Uh, they get to open up Lambeau Field against uh, this hated rival as well. So, I mean, just think of the opportunity. It's right in front of them to uh, get ahead of the division and, and ride this momentum. A bunch of young, hungry Packers. I, I hate to say, man, but it reminds me of a team that I saw a long time ago in 1996. It really does. Oh, wow. That's some heavy praise right there for sure. Um, anyways, we will be giving you our preview for that Vikings game this coming Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy your weekend. Packers get the victory 10-3 to against the Chicago Bears. Go Pack Go. And remember, guys, the Bears still suck. They absolutely do. Yep. You take care, everybody. Go Pack Go.